Welcome to Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education podcast for teachers and advisors, brought to you by UEA. Each month, we provide the latest information you need to guide your students through their journey to university, plus hints and tips to help support you in your work. We know you're busy, so we keep each episode to around 20 minutes, just long enough for a cup of coffee. So, pop the kettle on and let's get started. Hello listeners and welcome back to this month's episode of Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education podcast for teachers and advisors produced by the University of East Anglia. My name is Ellen, your host, and I'm the London-based higher education advisor. And today I'm very lucky to be joined by my wonderful colleague from the higher education advisory team, Alex Gould. Hello. Hi Alex, thank you so much for joining us. And Alex is going to be introduced introducing our wonderful guest that we have today um so Alex I'll pass over to you to kind of welcome our guest to the show um and talk a little bit about what we're going to be discussing on the podcast today so today we're going to be learning some more about the disabled students allowance what it is and how students can go about making an application to receive this funding we are also going to talk more broadly about the well-being services at university what support there is available and how students can access it We're joined today by Liam Davison, a wellbeing advisor from our dedicated team here at UEA. Welcome, Liam. Thank you so much for coming along. Would you like to introduce yourself and share a little bit about your role at UEA? Yeah, hi there. Thanks for having me today. So, yeah, my name is Liam Davison. I'm one of the wellbeing advisors uh, from Student Services at UEA. I specifically work on the side of the wellbeing team that supports students with disabilities, um, and that's everything that comes under that um, umbrella, so uh, specific learning differences, long-term health conditions, um, yeah, pretty much everything that that comes under that and supporting them with all the various parts of setting up their support and wellbeing at the university. And a lot of my job is spending time talking about today's topic, which is disabled students allowances. So very happy to be here today talking about DSA. Lovely. Thank you. Just to get us started, would you like to give us an overview about what the DSA actually is and which students might be eligible to receive the funding? Yeah, absolutely. So um, DSA uh, is the way I like to think about it is it's basically uh, uh, funds that students can access um, and it's currently managed by the student finance um, and what DSA goes towards is basically accessing equipment, software and support of all different kinds for students with disabilities and where those disabilities may impact on um, their education and their ability to access that education. So the idea is to use the support that could be funded by DSA um, to help manage those impacts, overcome those impacts and just work with that. In terms of who's eligible really, it's quite a broad um, range of students who can apply. And in fact, I work with many students who think that they wouldn't be eligible um, for DSA. So when it comes to DSA, what they're looking for is anyone who would be sort of classified as disabled under the Equality Act. Now, I won't go into too many boring details of the Equality Act, but basically um, when it comes to DSA, they're looking at something that has been formally diagnosed by a medical professional, be that your doctor, GP, specialist psychiatrist, things like that. 
Um, so formally diagnosed is long term. So what they're basically thinking here is six months plus, 12 months plus really. So it's uh, diagnosed, it's long term, and then also um, has an impact on your everyday life, but and by extension, your studies. Um, there's no sort of tick list that says, yes, this is absolutely somebody who would be eligible um, and this isn't, as long as it's meeting sort of those criteria um, when it comes to um, disability. So when do students need to make that application and what do they have to do for it? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess when it comes to DSA, it's almost never too late to apply but I would always encourage students to apply as soon as possible. So for students who are coming to join us, my understanding is that as soon as um, you can apply for student finance, so when the, when the portal, student portal becomes open for that, you are able to apply via that online portal. Uh, one of the questions I think that you get asked as you go through basically says, would you also like to apply for disabled students allowances? And if a student is coming to UEA or indeed any other university um, in, in England, I would almost encourage them to say, as you're going through that student finance application, just do it then. Um, because basically you, you fill in a form, it asks you some information about yourself, it pulls a lot of information from your student finance application, and then it kind of feeds that into the application, and then you just need to add up information about the disability that you're applying uh, to have considered, or indeed disabilities. You can apply for multiple disabilities and diagnoses to be considered. Excellent, thanks, that is really helpful. Now, would you just be able to give us some examples of the different types of things that the DSA funding might be used for? Yes, of course. So I'll probably give you two or three examples because just to give you an idea of the range of different things that you could get. Um, the, the, generally, the support you get is, is designed to be based off of your needs as a student. Uh, there's no kind of one package approach that, that, that is given to everyone. It's very much based off of your needs. Um, so let's, let's think of some examples. And this is by no means an exhaustive list. This is just some bits that, that come to mind. Uh, a student with chronic fatigue, uh, experiencing lots of fatigue, eye strain, may struggle to look at a computer screen for long periods of time. And with a lot of courses these days, there's lots of content online, lots of reading to do from the screen, can be very, very difficult to access. So something DSA could do to assist with that is provide you with software that can read text off the screen to you. The idea being that you don't need to have constantly staring at the screen, looking at the screen. Instead, it reads it to you in a slightly robotic voice, but it gives you another way of accessing that. Uh, another example is for um, students who, say, have um, hearing loss. So students who um, some loss of their hearing or, or deaf students, they can get software that can caption videos um, on online and, and provide you with live captions of um, what, what's being said on the screen. Other things, looking away from the technological-based stuff, other kinds of support beyond that. So there's what we call non-medical helper support. So non-medical helper is basically a human being 
who can help with aspects of your course. It's non-medical because they're not medical professionals. They're not there to treat you or care for you, but to help your studies. So that can include note takers. Uh, that can include uh, specialist tutors who have training around the ways that dyslexia or dyspraxia can impact on your studies and gives um, ways of helping access your studies around those diagnoses. You can get what's known as a specialist mentor that gets offered to students often with autistic spectrum conditions or mental health conditions. And the idea is they're there to help support you to manage your work and your the, the kind of um, uh, the work-life balance of your studies. So keeping on top of all the little things that can mount up and mount up and cause a crisis help you to manage those things. One final other thing that DSA can help towards it, so if you're an individual with um, mobility impairments, so you might find it hard to use public transport to get from home to campus or from campus to placements, DSA can help fund towards things like taxis and provision similar to that, so you can actually physically access the teaching spaces and the learning spaces. Um, I could probably spend about an hour talking about all the various things. I guess what I want to highlight is when you go through that needs assessment, the needs assessor doing it will really sit down and work out what impacts and barriers there might be to your studies and then find ways to, to help overcome those. Thank you so much for that, Liam. I think that was a really helpful overview of the DSA and what funding can be used for. I think a lot of the content will be really helpful for our listeners, but I just want to change our focus now and discuss the wellbeing services more broadly at university. What role does the university actually play in student wellbeing and how might this look the same or different to the types of support that students will have received in school or college? Great question and it's probably quite hard to answer that question mindful of everyone because obviously everyone's wellbeing needs will be different but I'll sort of give it a go at thinking about the answer. It is very much based on the student need. The university has many ways that it can help students with their well-being and it, it, again it depends depends on the person's needs so that could be a much lighter approach so students settling in in ter at semester one year one very common feelings of homesickness of potentially being away from home for the very first time so we put on support things like group workshops and we have lots of well-being resources online that students can access in their own time around topics like homesickness. Obviously, there's a lot more than just homesickness, but that's one that comes to mind. And for that individual, that might be all that they need to settle in and, and to you know have their well-being needs met or, you know, it happens at the start of every semester. But once they get back into the swing of things, uh, that that's all they need. For other individuals, it might be a bit more intensive. Um, and I guess this is where a job like mine comes into uh, to the fold a bit more. So you maybe have a student coming to the university who has a disability or, or, or uh, you know, a, a previous diagnosis where at school they received a lot of support. So for that person, a big part of their well-being needs being met is meeting with someone like myself in advance of starting or in the you know the early days and getting their adjustments set up as they need them explaining you know okay well you had maybe 
more one-to-one -one support at your school or your college you maybe had a teaching assistant at university we do it a little bit differently there's a bit more of an emphasis on independence but if if you need support here's where you can go so you can come talk to me you can go and talk to my colleagues in the learning enhancement team and again for that individual it might just be getting things up set up again there are other individuals who as they go through the year they go through the term they may need to pull on maybe some more ongoing types of support um, as a university again i can only really speak for uea but we have quite a, 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 a big mental health and well-being support um, offering so for example i mentioned we have workshops and self-help um, resources we have the well-being advisor team so i'm one of those well-being advisors my focus is in supporting students with disabilities uh, I have colleagues who are more focused on mental health, so supporting students with their mental health. And that is, again, a wide range of needs. So it could be a one-off, you know, I'm feeling really low at the moment. I've got really high levels of anxiety. You meet with that advisor, they give you some practical tips to go away with, and then that's all you need. Others, you might have a meeting every month or so. I have a number of students who I meet with every month, every six weeks or so, just to check in and see how they're doing and catching any things as they come up. We also have a talking therapies team um, who do what we call one at a time therapy, where you go in with an area that's impacting your mental health that you want to work on and improve and that is impacting you and trying to come over that. So perhaps one of the bigger differences between what a student might have experienced at school or at college and what they experience at university is around maybe the independence that is, is um, more expected at a university level. Um, so whereas a student might be experience, experienced working closely with a teaching assistant or a learning support assistant or their, their teacher or their head of sixth, uh, sixth form, at university you have um, people like myself, academic advisors, you do still have people that you can go to and meet with regularly and support through DSA. But there's a little bit more of an onus on reaching out and asking for help when you need it. We appreciate for some people that might be more difficult. So we're always there to put in processes and to help wherever we can. But yeah, there, there is a little bit of a difference there between university and, and, and where they potentially come from previously. Brilliant. Well, that brings me to the end of my questions. But if any of our listeners want to find out more about the student services provision at UEA, how can they get in touch? Yep, absolutely. So there's several ways that you can do it. Um, the student services team. So we have um, what we call our online referral form. So if you go into the My UEA pages, um, which is, is something you'll get access to if, if someone is a registered student at UEA. We have an online referral form on there um, that you can fill in as a current student, explain what you feel like you need support with, and then that will send, you'll, you'll get a response that sends you to the, the right people. For those students who, you know, they don't want to fill in a form or, you know, maybe haven't actually started at UEA yet, there's 
two email addresses that I would encourage people to use. So if it's a query that relates to disability, mental health, uh, for a prospective student, you know, setting up support, what support is available, anything like that, disability at uea.ac.uk. So that's disability at, as in the, the at symbol, at uea.ac.uk is the main email address that people can send stuff to. Uh, it's an inbox that I monitor every day and we've got a number of colleagues looking at that, so it's, it's, it's always monitored. So that's a great place to send information, uh, queries to, information to, and a lot of correspondence before a student starts, if, if there's things around adjustments or support that needs to be set up, will go via that inbox. Beyond that, we have our more generic inbox, which is for the wider student services team, and that's just student support at uea.ac.uk, student support at uea.ac.uk. Um, the other team then just to mention is the kind of face-to-face -face team uh, on the UEA campus. So it's the student information zone or the CIS as it's more affectionately known. It's a lovely bright yellow building on the street which is just next to the Union pub, I think very well placed. And they've got a desk there, you can go in as a student or an applicant. Uh, if you have a question that they know, they'll help you with, but if not, they'll signpost it to the right team. And quite often it's the team <laughs> that we work on that those crews go to. Um, so yeah, the three main ways for a current student who's maybe not quite sure or, or, or what they need is the online referral form, which is on the My UEA website. For those who have queries about disability who are or who aren't UEA students yet, disability at ueaac.uk or the student support email address and then the student information zone for the presence on campus. Well, I really have reached the end of my questions now. Thank you so much for giving up your time to be with us, Liam, and for giving us such useful, helpful information. And now I'm going to hand back over to Ellen. Well, I really have reached the end of my questions now. Thank you so much for giving up your time um, to be with us, Liam, and for giving us such useful and helpful information. Um, and I'm going to hand back over to you, Ellen. Brilliant. Thank you so much, um, both Liam and Alex, for joining us. I think that is going to be really, really valuable for our listeners to help them with supporting any prospective students or current students in getting that support in place for them at whatever higher education institution they are kind of going to attend. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, and now I'm just going to say, let you have the opportunity to say thank you and goodbye. Um, and to our listeners also, thank you and goodbye. Bye. Thanks and goodbye from me as well. That's it for this month's episode of Nurturing Bright Futures. We would absolutely love to hear from you. To book a visit, make a suggestion or ask us a question. Drop us a line at schools at uea.ac.uk. Thanks for joining us.